Yes, hello, and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we've been finding, buying, and creating income from investment properties for over 20 years combined. And we talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. And very quick one, if you haven't yet left a review on the podcast, please do. Please do. We know there's a number of you listening. And if you have enjoyed and listened previously, please do just leave a little review on your podcast player, typically on Apple Podcasts for, for most of you, but any other podcast player as well. But please do that. It really does help us. And we're trying to provide as much value as we can to all of you. And that will just help us get the message out. Now, today's episode, Simon and I were talking about data lag, and we're going to talk about what we mean by that uh, and talk about why there is data lag. But just in the sense of why that's important for us, because when we're thinking about investing and buying properties, one of the most fundamental pieces of an investment strategy is the offer that we make on a property. And of course, we've all heard the phrase below market value, but what is market value? We're not necessarily going to dig too much into that, but we are going to talk about how Simon and myself really set about creating the offer that we think would be right based on data that we have available. Before we get to that bit, Simon, you really kicked off this topic by highlighting just how long it has taken for your purchase, your purchase of an investment property last year to appear in land registry and also have a little bit of a story to tell about that. Indeed. So this is the, the property that I purchased last year. So it the, the, the purchase completed in October. So obviously there was, there was some time before that when everything was going through and whatever, but the, the completion was in October. So it's October 2022. And just to, to make a, a shout out to the Land Registry Monitoring Service, if people haven't heard of this, this is a, a free service provided by the Land Registry. You can uh, sort of create a, a kind of account type thing and put in up to 10 properties that you want to be notified of by, by email if anything changes in the Land Registry. And if you have more than 10 properties, you, you can uh, set up extra accounts and things with, with another 10 and things. So when I purchased this property, I added that property to my account. So, so I would be notified of any changes. And of course, one of those such changes is a, a change in owner. And I, I hadn't really thought about it much beyond registering it and, and things. I hadn't realized that I hadn't received that notification until last month when the notification arrived. I received an email saying something has changed on, on your property record. I thought, Hang on, what? Uh, it's still my property. <laughs> Nothing's changed. I haven't remortgaged it. I haven't sold it. And I, I dug into the details of that a bit more and realized that this was my purchase coming through in the land registry data almost a year after the completion date. And th this is sort of confirmed by the, the latest sort of release of the land registry's house price um, data. So the, the Every month they release data that shows all the properties sold and how much they were sold for and, and things. But my recent, <laughs> I say recent, purchase hadn't appeared in that data previously and, and it was in this most recent release. So, so they really had taken almost a year to update their sold price records 
and actually release that information. Absolutely crazy. But that's not all, is it, Simon? So it's taken them a year to do it. And is it the right number? And no. (laughs) They have, along with taking a year to actually include the data and release it, managed to list the sold price wrongly. And and they are out by £30,000. So I, I suspect that they just typoed one of the numbers, one of the digits in, in the amount. But, but yeah, that's not ideal, I guess. <laughs> it, it's not ideal at all because you want a correct record, although I'm sure the listeners will be thinking, well, if it's one way, if it's lower, it's worse. If it's higher, it's better. But we're not going to get into that because of uh, elements of data confidentiality or, 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 or maybe Simon's need to not share it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it really makes much difference. And I'm sure people could work it out if they, if they really wanted to. Now, there's a challenge to, to listeners out there. Can, can you email in and tell me that the value or the supposed value of the property that, that I purchased last year? Good, good luck tracking that down. Yeah, you, you'll actually get your Sherlock Holmes hat on for that one because I think you're starting with very little information. But that what that did bring to us was just how far behind land registry is so in that case a year but yeah in some cases it might be shorter but that shows you that sold prices aren't always the greatest indicator when we are thinking about the the values of properties that we're looking at and also as we've touched on before the the process of buying a property so from a property being marketed to a property being actually sold in terms of completion can be yeah, anywhere between three and six months, depending on situation. You know, we, we can get that information from various sources. We can get it from obviously from Patma Software, but we can look at time on market. We can look at uh, those kind of things. And and Simon, I mean, I just if you wanted to touch through any of those elements specifically in terms of why things take that long, we can. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure most of the people listening to, to this conversation we'll already know sort of the the buying process but i do wonder if if people really think about the data releases that we all rely on to, to sort of track the property market and and i thought maybe we, we just sort of run through the buying process with, with a, a a particular look at the numbers or when the numbers are are available so obviously right at the beginning a property is listed on the open market and at that point, we can see the listing price. And, and everyone can see that, and it's, it's, it's public information. And while that's listed, certainly at the moment, that price might change over some time. I think it's, it's about three months at the moment, the, the average listing period for a property. And over that time, they, they may well see a price reduction or, or multiple price reductions at the moment. And of course, that information is is then updated on that listing. And again, those new numbers are available. And of course, if you're using a, a browser plugin that helps track price history, as Patma does, then you can see that price history while you're browsing right moving things. So you can very easily see that, that public information, initial listing price, current listing prices. And then in the background, obviously, potential buyers are viewing and making offers. Those offers are obviously private. And then at some point, an offer hopefully will be accepted. Again, that's all private. And we as sort of onlookers do not know what that number is. The, the sort of best assumption we can make is that it's probably close, 
to the most recent public listing price, but we don't know what it is. And then behind the scenes, there'll be a mortgage application and obviously bank knows the amounts and things, but it's all private. And the sales process will progress as these things do over some weeks or multiple months, most, most commonly. And then at some point, the the purchase will complete. And at that point, the, the mortgage is sort of solidified. That's an actual mortgage is taken out. And at that point, that data then feeds into the, the sort of mortgage data that gets released. The the Halifaxes and the, the NatWests and what have you who, who put out monthly mortgage data. Normally, that is for mortgages completed in the previous month. But of course, that the price for that property, that mortgage, was actually decided a while back. It was probably three months or so ago that that price was actually decided. So already that data is three months from the date it was accepted to the date it was completed, and then another month before the data gets released. So it's four months old by the time we get to see that information, probably, roughly. And then uh, your solicitor will, will do what solicitors do, fill in forms and send them off to appropriate people like the land registry. And then the land registry will, will process that. And I, th- I think a while ago, so as in years ago, the sort of expected delay on land registry processing of, of sales was two to three months. So it would be then two to three months after the completion that the data would make it into land registry and then be released in their next monthly data release. But as I mentioned earlier, currently, that can be an awful lot longer. And we might be looking at almost a year for that data to actually be released. So by the time we actually see the definite sold price for an individual property, it's been nearly a year since it completed, probably over a year since that price was agreed. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing very old, very old data. So it's, it's very, very difficult to look at current sold prices because that data just isn't there. It's, it's just not released for so long. So the question that we have is, what? so what can you do? So I think that the, the point that we've exemplified as, as much as we can is that sold prices aren't as dependable as you might want them to be. I know banks want them to be because they always ask for comparables if a valuation comes in. But what else do we do then if we can't just use sold prices? Simon and I discussed this. And of course, you can do this in many places, but we use Patma software, given that we both work on Patma and believe it's a great software for helping property investors. And what Patma can do, Simon, is it can look at recent asking prices of properties that have been sold. Indeed. So I think the the actual sold prices would, would obviously be fantastic if we could see them a lot sooner but there's always going to be at least probably a six-month lag on that sort of data so you want to see in a changing market as we've currently got much more current data and the the actual offer prices and the agreed sale price is all private so we we can't get to that information in anything like sort of real time so the best proxy for that, I think we've got, is the last listing price for the properties before they were removed from the market and, and marked as sold. 
So if you're trying to look for the value of a property, you know what that property is, you know where it is, you know how big it is, you know how many bedrooms it's got. And typically what you would want to do is find other properties similar to that that have been listed on the market recently. So obviously you can look at the the current listings on the portals, but that only shows you what's on the market now. And and maybe if you tick the box for sole subject contract, you, you might see the last few weeks and things as well. But what Patma does is let you see data from much further back. So, I mean, you, you can actually go a lot further back, but obviously we're, we're looking for something recent. So if you look for something that's in the last sort of two to three months and in close proximity geographically and obviously the same type of property, I think that gives you really, really good numbers for, for trying to find comparables to, to try and value a property with. Yeah, and that's a really good start. So you're looking at, recent sold or asking prices, we should say, recent asking prices, which is going to give you a much better indicator and is also, as you've just said, much more recent. You can also look at other asking prices in the area. So if you're looking at a, you know, a, a two-bed flat in a certain area, then you know that is the criteria you put in. And this this all sounds pretty simple doesn't it for most of us that are in property we're probably doing that already Um, but I would also throw into that mix looking at the square meterage square footage of the property because uh, what you can do is also base your assessment on on the size of property so as I was talking to Simon before we hit the record button we are currently selling a two-stroke three-bed apartment in central London, well, just south of London in uh, Croydon. And if you put in two-bed apartments, you'll get both ours and others in the area, even within a half-mile radius. Now, ours is up for between 325 and 350. Others will come up for around 218. And, of course, the biggest well, the biggest determinant of that price difference is, is the square footage because ours is pushing 1,000 square feet and it's a stone's throw from the train station. But Simon, you made some good points as well around, you know, why this is important to understand in terms of location, because in a way, if we're looking at this as investment, your target market also plays a part in understanding the valuation. Because if we were looking at a, a family house, for example, and it were in an area with no outside areas or parks or anything, then then that may also impact what you consider a, the, the market value to be. Yeah, exactly. You you can't just you can't just look at comparables in that that area because, as you say, unless you're in a, a really densely packed area and there's lots of properties that have been sold recently, your comparables are, are going to be a little bit dispersed geographically, and inevitably, as you as you move around in an area, you get different qualities of schools. You get different proximity to train stations or bus routes or tubes, tube lines or whatever it is that you're, you're looking for in, in that area. And um, as you say, if you're looking at something that has lots of open space or parking or things like this, it, it can vary from one street to another. And I think, as you say, it's, it's just very important that you, you know who you're thinking will be your customer, so renting that property from you and to make sure that you are actually buying something that is suitable for them. So sort of two-ish bed properties are, I think, sort of 
one of the, the key difficulties in this area. So you can have a two-bed house that might be great for a, a couple who, who just want it just for themselves, and they may not care about a garden, they may not care about schools or whatever. But similarly, that two-bed property could be rented or could be purchased by a, a small family. I mean, you, you could squeeze as much perhaps as two adults and two children in, in a two-bed property. And as part of that, they would be really looking at quality of schools. They might have a couple of cars, so parking would be a lot more important for them. They, they might really want open space, either local parks or their own garden or whatever. So it's, yeah, they're, they're, I think while you can get rough numbers from looking at the, the sort of raw comparable data, it, it is always important to add in that sort of human factor to, to think through what the value really is for what you're expecting the use to be. And what I think about doing all of this, what we consider, you know, very important diligence and due diligence is what you're building is not only just a case for yourself about what you believe the market value to be, because there can always be a, a big disparity in terms of what we think as investors, the, the price should be and what a vendor should what a vendor wants for the property and in some cases you're just going to have to walk away because there is too much of a disparity but what I've also found over the years is that when you build a case like this and you you do the things we've talked about so yes you've looked at sold prices but you're also looking at recent asking prices you're looking at asking prices in the area you're getting your own feel for it and of course you can use software to also see the trend of prices, the number of reductions that are happening, the number of relists that are happening, because it may be that a sort of property sold for a price, but it might be back on the market. So all of these things will contribute. And actually, once you have this, you, you do have a good case to go back with. You know, if, if a vendor says, my, I want X price for my property, and that is it, and you, you come back with this information and say, look, th- this is our rationale. This is why we believe this is the price. Now, I'm not saying that the vendor will immediately shake your hand and say, of course, you're right. Just just uh, let's agree on that price. That's that's not how it works. But it will give them food for thought. And depending on time on market, of course, because that is always a big factor, the longer the property is on the market, the more open they would be in the most part to to understanding a rationale. Of course, depending on the, the vendor, some of them just can be very stubborn and think that that, you know they've been given a, a market price and they will not shake that off until the market has has really driven that point home but that for me is the key because you've, you've you've now built up a good case and of course you've got a good idea in the marketplace of of what those properties should be worth and can wait for that to happen as opposed to just looking at the current asking prices yep and just to throw in one one extra factor which is always important to consider is the is the condition of properties as well so obviously a, a a freshly refurbed super shiny looking property is, is always going to be very differently valued to one that's been neglected for the last 50 years and is, is currently crumbling inside and needs a new kitchen a new bathroom and new wires and and everything else so so that is also something that's, that's very important to consider and uh, again it's where having a, a list that's provided by software that you can actually look through is, is really useful. So you can actually have a look at what's there, look at the different 
property details and and try and pick out the ones that are actually similar-ish in terms of sort of quality and standing, if you like, so you can again tune what you think is really the valuation for for the property you're looking at. So to summarise. We, the conversation today is really just around the fact that we won't only use sold prices. In fact, that that may be a, a a base level, but as we know, that is a point in time, and based on Simon's recent experience, that is a very old point in time. So we shouldn't really be making our investment offers based on things simply just as sold prices. And we we know that is important to the banks, but it shouldn't be for us. And and Simon makes a very very salient point around understanding the quality of the property because all of those things that we've just talked about in terms of most recent asking prices the size of the property location and market are all true but if the property has a broken boiler and a hole in the roof that is not market value you then need to understand what the cost of works are and everything like that and that comes off the price i have seen so many times where an agent has offered me a property and said you just need to do this up and it will be, you know, it's the property is 200 grand. And if you do it up really well, it'll be worth 250. And I say, that is wonderful, Mr. Mrs. Agent. But I need to spend 50,000 pounds to get it to that value of 250,000. So, uh, you, you know, what you're offering me is, is nothing special. It's just what I could do sat at home. On, yeah, you, you may as well buy the house worth two hundred fifty thousand and save yourself all the hassle. Exactly, exactly, and that is the point. It's not that we're just trying to make a fast buck. It's that act my time and effort to get all of that to happen is worth it. Yet, as you can tell, Simon and I are about to get on top of another soapbox. We're not going to do that. We're going to save your earlobes from that and wish you a great end to the week. And as I said at the start, I shall say at the end: if you have listened thus far. Uh, hopefully we've brought something of value to you so please please do bring something of value to us and just leave a little rating on your podcast player that would really help us much appreciate and we'll see you on the next episode